Welcome to The Ziggler Show, where we inspire your true performance. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and today we are talking about managing, controlling, and changing our attitudes, one of Zig Ziggler's favorite and foundational topics. We play a three-and-a-half-minute clip from Zig Ziggler on changing your attitude, and from it, I asked my agent, K Miller, Facebook page, what are your primary tactics for changing your attitude when you get down or negative? angry, sad, fearful, etc. We've got nearly 50 comments in less than 24 hours and Michelle Prince and I just talked through them. We didn't get through even half of them, I don't think. It was a really insightful and interesting conversation. I think you'll get a lot from this dialogue. So first, let's dive in with a quick three and a half minute story from Zig on Attitude. The scene is Phoenix, Arizona. My son and I had been playing in a golf tournament out there. During the tournament, the weather was absolutely magnificent. But the day we were headed back to Dallas, it was raining and hail was falling. It was a mess. By the time we got to the airport, we got soaking wet trying to get into the airport itself. We went down. There were about 3,212 people in the airport. Got down to the line and 476 of them about were waiting in line. We obviously didn't get to the front of the line. The gate agent, uh, when we first got there, was a fair-skinned, blue-eyed blonde. But everybody that came along were dumping on him. I mean, they blamed him for the weather. They blamed him for the computer foul-up. They blamed him for the world economy. They blamed him for everything. By the time we got to him, he looked like the cruise director for the Titanic. <laughs> I mean, uh, somebody had licked all the red off of his candy. Uh, you know, he, he, he was in bad shape. As a matter of fact... By the time we got to him, uh, the red in his neck had moved all the way up, and he was a flaming redhead. Well, as is my custom, when I greeted him, it was with a lot of enthusiasm. I said, well, how you doing? He said, compared to who? <laughs> I said, compared to that person who doesn't have a job of any kind, who doesn't have nice warm clothes to wear, who has no future that he can call his own who lives in a land where there is no freedom of speech or travel, who does not know from one day to the next what is going to happen to him. I said, how you doing? You've never seen such a radical change in a human being. He smiled broadly and he said, I'm doing wonderfully well and thank you so much for reminding me. A lot of times we need to be reminded, don't we? The young man got so excited, he got so carried away, he was so appreciative of the fact that I'd called something to his attention that he moved my son and me up to first class. (laughs) Now, as we walked in, I could not help but notice that he was greeting the other people in an entirely different way. More pleasantly, more courteously. Now, the weather was still bad. The computer was still fouled up. The economy had not changed. The only thing that had changed was his attitude. And his attitude changed because the input in his mind had changed. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you think with the new attitude, he's got a reasonably good chance of keeping his job? Can I see your hands, please? How many of you believe he might even get a promotion if he keeps the attitude that I left him with? Can I see your hand? How many of you believe that if he's married with children, when he got home, he was a better husband and a better father? Can I see your hands, please? All right. Now, let me ask you some questions. How much did I teach him about being better on his job? How much did I teach him about being a better husband 
a better father, a better man. Absolutely nothing. And yet all of it radically changed simply because the attitude had changed because the input in his mind had changed. You'll hear me say this a lot. You're what you are and where you are because of what's gone into your mind. You can change what you are. You can change where you are by changing what goes into your mind. Now we'll go over the responses from Facebook to this question that we derived from Zig's message right there. And the question that we asked was, what are your primary tactics for changing your attitude when you get down, negative, angry, sad, fearful, etc.? Before we start, I've got a great sponsor to tell you about who helped bring today's episode of The Ziggler Show to you. Now, let's dive into the show. All right, Michelle, with the wealth of comments that we got for this question, we'll just dive in and, uh, and hit them as we see them, all right? Sounds great. All right. Well, Tony says, I try to identify what the problem is and then create an alternative. I say, which is better, this or that? Also, I might do something to change my focus. I've realized I don't have all the answers. Uh, though that's obvious, I remind myself that I don't need all the answers before taking action on an unknown. All right. Um, I like that. Just getting it on the table, which is better, which is this looking at options. And so it sounds very pragmatic. I think it does. It does. And of course, that's how we should look at all situations, right? Look at both both sides of, of the, the coin, but easier said than done sometimes, but Good approach. Yeah. Well, and as we go through these, it seems like there is this constant variance between logical and emotional responses. Uh, mm-hmm. So again, that's why it's so curious. Okay. Greg Gregory says, I run in the woods. Uh, I look across the room at my amazing family. I listen to inspiring music, stop and build a fire, uh, and sometimes bourbon. <laughs> so <laughs> there, there you go. Comfort. We'll just, we'll put that in the category of comfort food. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, yeah, well, all those I, I would say to, but it, yeah, it feels like changing just again, perspective change, uh, for sure. And, uh, well, it's, it's a common thread. So we'll, we'll keep running through these. Uh, Dave says speaking out loud against the negative attitude or thought it may, it might, it may sound a little crazy to others, but it seriously works. Okay. Well, I'll let you comment on that, Michelle, because he's, you know, speaking out loud. I mean, we're into the Ziegler self-talk cards and, the. The dynamic, uh, what psychologically, neurologically, of literally speaking out loud. You've been doing this for eons. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when you, there's just something powerful. We, our our voice, we listen to our voice. So when you speak something out loud, when you speak truth, when you speak what you want to be, not necessarily where you are, you're, you're planting seeds, you're, you're putting it out there and things are more likely to come to fruition, you know, when, when we're putting out the positive things. What usually happens though, is we tend to speak or think the things that we don't want to happen, you know, um, that things that, that, you, you know, it may take us down the wrong path. So it's important to just, first of all, identify what you want, but then speak the truth. Even if you don't believe it yet, as Zig would say, tell the truth in advance. Okay. I, I like it. So here I'll divulge something here. I am 
uh, an introvert and uh, I like my solitude. And if I'm left alone, I cannot speak for, for days. So I don't it's <laughs> talking. It feels like it interrupts myself to talk out loud, to speak out loud. But what is always stuck out with me, and we're going to get theological here, or I'm just going to share what somebody shared with me. I'm not going to state whether I believe it's even true or not, but they said in a faith-based scenario that God is uh, omniscient. He knows my thoughts, uh, my feelings. And so I'm, I'm good in silence to that degree. But the enemy doesn't, and mm-hmm. uh, the enemy knows what I speak out loud. So we, I don't have to debate that. If anybody else wants to, they can do that. But I really took that as um, an exercise, I guess. And so in speaking to the negative and from a spiritual warfare thing as well, I do speak out loud and pray out loud. I have to think about it when I'm on my knees in the morning doing devotions, and I have to remember, and, and I'll speak out loud in that in that scenario. So, uh, well, like Dave said, a little crazy, but it works. It, it works for me. Well, I love that you brought that up, Kevin, because it's so true. And you're right. God hears our thoughts. We don't have to speak out loud to him, but the only way to really combat the enemy is to speak the word of truth. And, and that is, there's so much power in it. There are so many books about that topic and about the believer's authority that we have. And, but it all is that warfare starts with the, the, the sword of the tongue, you know? Yeah. Well, so there you go. Well, thanks for bringing that up, uh, Dave. Well, uh, Dana says, focus on gratitude. That's all she wrote. Now this is going to be a recurring theme here where a lot of people talked about focusing on gratitude. You know, it's gotta be one of the primary perspective changers, but I wonder if it gets a bad rap kind of that we all have that little internal thing. We probably heard in church or from our parents, whatever. Oh, come on, count your blessings. <laughs> and I wonder if we do that. So somebody, as we get into these, somebody's mentioned something about, uh, taking time to, un- to, to feel the grief, you know, to feel the negative and to understand it. And I, and I wonder if that's where we've kind of diluted the count your blessings thing, because we don't first go to, to understanding and feeling that, that negative feeling and, and, uh, embra- not embracing it, but allowing it to be real and to be relevant before we count our blessings. I really, I'm talking out loud. I haven't really thought about that, but I wonder if it's why it's gotten a bad rap because you're just, it's kind of that shelf your feelings, just count your blessings, kind of the Pollyanna approach. Well, there's, there's two ways to look at that. There is, you know, the Pollyanna approach that you're just kind of avoiding the truth and things might be horrible. And if you're just focusing on the positive, then some may look at that as, um, you know, faking it, faking it till you make it kind of thing. I, I look at it as, you know, when we're grateful, it's a, it's an, it's an attitude, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a very, it's difficult to be negative and grateful at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so when you're focused on, and no matter what's going on in your life, I, I learned this when I was very young and I've continued to hear it and read about it throughout my, my, my journey, my spiritual journey, especially is no matter what is going on around you, you can find something to be grateful for, for, and it will literally take you out of the funk of, you know, whatever's going on. There was a story that Zig told, and I I think it was in how to stay motivated. And I'm definitely going to paraphrase it and not get it completely right. But he had this woman uh, who came to him at a, at a live event and she you know, he, he offered to give her about 10 minutes and she just said, you know, Zig, this stuff just doesn't work. You know, this positive thinking, my life is terrible. I hate my job. I hate the people I work with. And she was just negative Nelly. And he changed the perspective a little bit. He's like, well, are, are you, are you grateful for the paycheck that you get every week? You know, she hates your job. 
Well, yes, of course. I, I love it. Okay. Well, are you grateful that you have, you know, a home to, to go home to after you, you know, and he started just giving the very basic things. Do you have a spouse? Are, are you grateful that you have someone to share your life with? Well, of course. And, and little by little, it became very evident that she had more blessings than problems. And I think it is just an attitude shift. I mean, they say attitude, you know, the attitude of gratitude, and that's exactly what it is. It may not feel like we want to be grateful when we're, you know, down and out, but it's a shift in attitude, and that'll also change the way we feel. Well, and you brought me through that discussion to the aspect, kind of back to what we talked about. The oh, count your blessings is okay. Feel, you know, my wife used to talk. I'm not a super emotional, at least expressive person, and she is. And she schooled me somewhat. And look, it's not it's not bad to feel angry. That's natural. She said, "Don't you feel angry sometimes, Kevin?" Said, Absolutely, uh, you know. But it is the acting on it. So, it, what if we make that? delineation of, okay, it's one thing to feel the negative feeling, to feel the sad, the mad, the whatever, as we talked about in this leading question, one thing to feel it, but before we go act on it or let it, let it pave our path before us, that's when we stop and do these things to try to reorient ourselves. So we're not acting within that junk. Uh, I used to, when I was younger, Kevin, because you're, you're right. I mean, and especially when you're in personal development, you know, not to stay and wallow in your yeah. self pity and, and anger and all that for too long. But I, I remember when I was younger, I would allow myself, you know, let's just say something bad happened. I'd give myself 30 minutes, 30 minutes. I'm allowed to just feel angry or upset or hurt or whatever. And then I shift into, okay, now let's just change perspective. Yeah. What, what is good in my life? What is happening? You know, what out of this can I, can I see the positive? And it's just, you know, it's, it's a discipline more than anything, but it does create those, those negative feelings that you have. You can also create those positive feelings and yes. doesn't it feel better to be positive than negative. Oh, amen. Absolutely. Um, well, Tom here says exercise has always worked for me. Oxygen to the brain and through the body, uh, process, deal with it, and purge it from the body and release. Uh, mm. Exercise has got to be one of the primary recurring themes that happens within here. And we do know that from a literal, biological, physiological, scientific aspect that it does change our bodies for the better to exercise, to get a little, get your heart rate up and to... Uh, yeah, to, and to what Tom said, I, it sounds like he's probably a, a, a pretty serious exerciser. I am too, man. And I'll go out and just beat myself up and, and it feels, and it feels good. But even if it's a, a brisk walk or something, aside from the fact that, yeah, when you're exercising, you're also, you're often, you know, I should think about your being in your office or even just in your home. It usually gets you out or, uh, you know, looking out the window or listening to some good music. Usually it has some other things uh, next to it, but I would, I would have to venture to say exercise. Well, obviously by the comments that we got is got to be one of the top of the list. It's huge. Yeah. It's huge. And and like he said about the oxygen, you know, yeah. we're getting, when you get more oxygen to your brain, you know, that, that helps our bodies and it helps us to function at a, at, at the optimal level. And, you know, you don't even have to necessarily exercise to get some of those benefits. You can do that through breathing and meditation and yoga and all of that, but just getting more ox oxygen. Sometimes I will, literally just, you know, start breathing, like, you know, deep breaths just mm -hmm. to kind of get my, my focus back for me. It's about that helps me to focus when I, when I have deep breathing. Yeah. 
Well, so I'll, I'll, I'll divulge their exercise is one of the primary things. It's one of the reasons I do it almost every single day. Rarely a day goes by that I don't do some because it's, it's so vital to me. I think I fear, it's kind of like the fear of God. I fear not doing it. Uh, <laughs> That's a good fear. Uh, it's a good fear. It is. Well, uh, Scott says, I, uh, he says, acknowledge that you have control, uh, but, uh, and he says, and also he, he likes everything that was written before all that we've already go, gone over. But he said, the first step is identifying that I am empowered to change how I feel right now in this moment. And, you know, I think, uh, gosh, the clip that we used from Zig is the one that talks about where he, the, he often says this, do you believe that there's something you can do in your life right now to make things worse? And of course we all go, yes. Well <laughs> then likewise, don't you think there's something that we, you can do to make it better and that we do have control. And I do think that that's big, but again, it's probably a little uncomfortable to some degree naturally to say that, gosh, this is how I feel. And yet it's a taking responsibility for that feeling, which my gosh, I mean, a lot of times we just don't want to do. I mean, I, 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 I would be lying if I didn't say there's sometimes when I'm angry and I don't want to be unangered in that moment. Uh, don't tell me I'm in control. Cause I, you know, I, this is, this is, I, I think that's part of humanity that we obviously try to grow and mature out of, but it's gotta be again, top of the list to acknowledge that, we do have control. Yes, we do. We absolutely do. And and like you said, who wants to admit that we're in control of the bad things that happen to mm. us or the bad scenarios or relationships, but we, we do everything in life is a choice. We choose, you know, I do a lot of talking and, and speaking on productivity and time management. And, you know, it's one of those funny things where everybody jokes about like how little time they have, but the reality is we all have 24 hours in a day. So we are choosing what we do with our 24. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, if we don't get things done, it's not because we didn't, we ran out of time. It's truly that we just chose not to make it a part of, of our day, but that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course we want to, uh, you know, blame it on something else, but, you know, and I think there's something I want to add to the control. I do believe we do have that control like we're talking about, but I also believe that, and again, this is kind of bringing my own spiritual component into this is, you know, to some degree we can, we can try our best and do our best and try to control everything as much as we can, but ultimately, you know, God has a bigger plan in some cases. It's funny, this week is finals week for my kids in high school. And I was, I was dropping off my son today and it was his last final and it's a really tough week. And I dropped him off and I know he'd been studying, he'd given it all he could. And I said, you know what, just do your best and give God the rest. Mm. And that's just, I think is a good approach to take. Like we can do all we can do and we can try to try to control things, but ultimately give it to God after that, after you've done all you could. Yeah. Well, so I want to hit on that word that you just talked about on control. Obviously with these things, we can't control the events that happened to us. The thing that did anger us, we may not be able to, but, and I'll, I'll point out uh, a book here. So my dad, Dan Miller, the 48 days of the work you love guy sent me just a couple weeks ago for my birthday, a book. Uh, he's a book guy. And he said, this is one of his most, uh, most influential books books, uh, top three of this year. And it's called the daily stoic, uh, S T O I C a word that does not generally in our culture have a positive connotation to it, which is what they hit right off the bat. 
and dispel what the, the, the negative aspect of that. But it's really focuses on the writings from people like Marcus Aurelius and some of these, uh, some of these, uh, uh, Seneca and some of these past philosophers and, uh, influential people. And the primary premise of the entire book is that there is pretty much absolutely zero that we can really control except for our minds, our feelings, our wow. perspective. And it's a daily reading that I'm doing. I'm not plugging the book. They're not paying for this or anything. Um, <laughs> uh, but it just, it just, ha- it just made me think about that, that it is when it comes down to it, it's really the only thing that I can control. And I think that's what Zig was telling us about, uh, he devoted himself to that. If we do that, we can change our perspective and our trajectory and our success, uh, by, by, by utilizing that control, because there's not much else that we can actually, that's a big deal. That is, oh, I really like that point. And I will look for that book. That sounds really fantastic. It's interesting. I just bought it for my uh, partner and I've been reading, I do some morning readings with my wife and been reading out of it as well. I'm into it like a week now. So, uh, (laughs) well, okay. Speaking of Dan Miller, he posted to this question. It's one that he likes too. And he says, I, I, I did not know this about my dad. He says, I carry a medallion in my pocket with the inscription are uh, a more fati fati a m o r first word f a t i which means love is a more it says in this scenario it's, I, it means my attitude is always a choice oh uh, yeah i i don't I have to look it up i didn't look it up before this he said even if it appears that something negative happens i can ask instead what does this make possible and you know there's a lot of Ziegler listeners that listen to his 48 days podcast have bought his his books and are on his email list and get his newsletter that he sent out for I don't know a decade and a half or so and there's a recent story where he has a property or a, a building on his property it's a converted barn actually they call it the sanctuary and they've had I have no idea you know hundreds of events there it's it's a real special place that people have have come to for life change so it's a sanctuary it's in Franklin Tennessee big deal they out of the blue and I don't know the details of it they got hit by the county and got shut down temporarily oh wow um, yeah for by codes and whatever of doing these events there and it was a big deal that he they shared really openly with their with their followers and subscribers and listeners and a lot of people who of course you know thousands have been there and their first reaction though is this testimony to him really embracing the perspective that he shared here. What does this make possible? They said that, Hey, what if we can't do this anymore? What does it make possible? And within months they were down in Florida, just kind of pondering on the idea of maybe they would move there. It's something they thought about. And maybe this, maybe that was it. And it was really interesting to watch them in a real life scenario with something that felt very unjust and very, and this was taking away something that has benefited so many people. It's like a church. It's a sanctuary. And yet they just took it in stride and said, Hey, what's it make possible? And just with faith that, uh, something better would come from it. It's was, it was interesting. So I'm, I'm obviously testifying to them, but also to that perspective that can, could I be that guy? I want to be that person that can look at this negative thing with faith and say, what does and it make possible? And believe that it's part of a grander plan and something yeah. bigger and better, you know, waiting for you. There, yeah. there's a meme that was on uh, Facebook a while back that I saw, and it was a picture of Jesus holding a teddy bear or a little girl holding a teddy bear. And she's just holding on to it for dear life. And then there's Jesus with his hand out, you know, kind of like, give me the bear, give me the bear. And she's like, Mm. no, 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 I can't. But behind his back, he's holding this ginormous teddy bear that 
all, all she has to do is just release it and have faith and give it to him. And she will then get this other bigger, better, you know, teddy bear. And I love that because I thought it was a great visual of, of life, right? You know, we think we're holding on to all that we know and, and that, that feels comfortable and we're not willing to have the faith to step out or, or to release things. And, but yet there could be something so much better if we just let go of the fear and, and the doubt that there is something better. It is all about faith at the end of the day. Well, and I got, you know, I'll admit as well, uh, she's, what was it now? Four years ago, five years ago, when I got to spend a beautiful day with Zig last time I saw him and he said, as he often does, that he does not worry. And honestly, Michelle, at the time I struggled with it some, so I just, it just did not resonate at the time. And it felt a little Pollyanna as much as I respect and revered him. Even there, it still felt a little difficult. And I'm not going to say that I'm there to, to Ziggler, <laughs> Ziggler dumb in that scenario. But in the time that has passed since then, I've seen some significant changes to myself that my family has attested to in my own peace and my own joy. And some of it is right there has to do with control has to do with faith as a guy who I would have said, Oh my gosh, I'm rock solid in my faith. The absolute truth was I was not. Um, and I don't know if I can ever say that. Uh, that I'm, I don't I'm think any of us could though, really. And you know, I bet if Zig were here and we could ask him, I don't think he felt that way at our age now, or, mm. you know, in his thirties oh, well. and forties and meaning that like so much of life is this, we, we keep getting to the next level and to the next level, the next, like the plateau, if you will. And, and that maturity and growth. Yeah. And, and with that comes faith. I mean, I look at my life now compared to 20 years ago. I thought I had faith in 20 years ago. I thought I did, but there's nothing compared to how it is now. And I know 20 years from now, I'll say the same thing. And so will you. So cut yourself a little slack. Right. I think we all should, but we'll evolve to that is my, my hope. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, real quick before our next question here, I want to thank a couple great sponsors who have helped bring today's show to you. All right, folks, well, let's now dive back into some of our questions. Uh, Joe here says, for me, it depends on the reason I'm down. Sometimes it's because I haven't been physically active enough. Uh, that's when I go for a run. Sometimes it's because I feel like I'm failing. That's when I review my file of wins. I try to have a cache of ways to combat those feelings based on the reasoning behind them. I appreciate that, that not every, maybe everything, maybe our tactics are not the same. Obviously the same tactic for everyone is not the same for everyone, but even when you come up with your own tactics, I hadn't really thought about it, uh, until Joe said that. And as I think through, yeah, I address certain issues with different remedies, I guess, uh, maybe, maybe knowing that, knowing that you have a cash, uh, again, for different, different responses to different feelings that you can choose from, or that, you know, that, man, when I'm angry, the thing that works for me is X. Uh, I, I think it's great, Joe. I, I had, I had not really thought of it in that light. I guess I've just approached it organically to this point. I like that. He said about the, the wins talking yeah. and keeping track of your wins. That's something that I've done most of my life, or I've given journals to people and I call it a success journal where I, instead of writing down everything that happened for the day, go back and write down all of your successes over the last month, year, 
five years, even as and it can be little things, but things that when you go back, when you're having one of those days where you're so discouraged and you, you know, you're just feeling so bad about yourself, you can go back and read that list and say, you know what? No, I, I am doing okay. Or I do have a lot of, to be, again, going back to what we're talking about, that gratitude. Yeah. Um, reviewing your wins is really just kind of that, that grateful feeling of, wow, pride. Yeah. Yeah, that is big. Somebody in here, I don't know if we'll get to it, said something about it's somebody who has a platform that they'll go look at their testimonials, you know, to them, be like going to the yes. iTunes reviews or something like that, which is, is true to see other people that, okay, okay, I, I've got some value to give. Uh, yeah. And it, and it interesting though, that we need to hear it from someone else for us yes. to feel validated ourselves. Yeah. If we could shift that and, and be okay with ourselves without everyone else having to tell us that how great would life be, but you know, it's just human you know, that, that's, that's so, that's so true that sometimes it takes even beyond where we would hope that God could give us that, that we need to hear somebody else. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say I've been ministered to recently. My wife had a car wreck, a second one in the span of three years, and it's really just been hard on her emotionally. And as I have sought to care for her and to help her re- lean into God's embrace, it's really spoken to me. I think it's much or more than her even recently in, in that regards to look to my heavenly father. And yet, well, I think he works through us as much or more than, than just his own presence too. So, well, uh, Chris, here says something really interesting. He says, I stop, I breathe. I put the situation into perspective. I focus on a solution. I be grateful. And then he adds, I also refrain from talking about it with others. It can get you even more riled up if the situation has something to do, if if it has something to do with others. Um, But he says, don't feed the monster. Okay. So, but there's a discussion that, because on one hand we would say, reach out and, and to somebody who you trust to get consolation. Well, again, I'll, so I'll just be first person. You know, my wife, that would be her. She would want to talk about it and talk through it. And it really helps her. And if I listen, this happened last night on the couch together. And, uh, afterwards I, I'm just, I just said, I'm so sorry. I didn't fix it. I've gotten that guy memo. Don't fix. Right. And I said, <laughs> I, I, I said, and she said, Oh my gosh, thank you. And she just melted. Me, on the other hand, I don't desire to talk about it. For me, it's like throwing gas on it and it gets me more riled up. So there's a, again, give me your thoughts, Michelle, because my tendency is to say maybe that's not a black or white, right or wrong. It's a personality trait or what? I think it's personality and, and, you know, not to stereotype men and women, but women tend to be more the communicators Mm -hmm. and men tend to be more, they, they, they keep more internal, not to say that that's across the board, but generally you know, I have to agree, though, with what they said about fuel to the fire. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about a situation, let's just say maybe you're upset about something or maybe somebody did something wrong to you. And there's two ways we can handle it. We can, you know, go to ourselves, go to God and, and just try to process it without creating drama. Right. right. But then then and in. And in a sense, I mean, by, by going to God about it, then you really shouldn't go to anyone else because in a sense, you're kind of, you're saying that, well, I, I, I'm not really going to take what I heard from you. I'm going to go <laughs> see what somebody else has to say yeah. about it. it. And it really does. I, I feel like there are times when I've done that and I feel worse yeah. because then it, it does stir up that drama. Now, if it's just communicating like your wife needed to do on the couch, that's a little bit different than if there's a problem and you need to, especially if it, if it involves someone else to go talk to a third party about it really just creates drama and tension. 
Well, okay, so hit on that. So it was our show, and I wasn't quick enough to look up which number it was. But folks, if you scroll back, uh, this is show 524. I don't know if it's in the 500s, but we did a show with Shanti Feldhahn, uh, S-H-A-U-N-T-I, and then it's F-E-L-D. H-A-H-N, I think, but Shanti Feldhahn, if you look her up, and her book is the 30-Day Kindness Challenge, and she specifically talks in there about venting, that we have this perspective. Go listen to the show, read the book to get a better uh, better uh, description of it, but my paraphrasing, that we look at venting is, oh, I got to get it off my chest, right? If I let it fester in there, and I'm going to squelch it and whatnot, but she says, and she comes from a scientific research type perspective uh, that she see or that they believe that it doesn't, it does throw fuel on the fire. The more we, but that's venting. So again, to, it made me think about it with what you said, Michelle, you said, yeah, if it's a, a sharing, like my wife did, she was not venting last night. It was, it was something that was a little hurtful to her and she was lamenting about it. Uh, to degree, not venting at all. And yet I've also, there's been times when she, she vents and I don't see that it has a positive outcome. It tends to ramp that up. So I think it's important. And there was, there was somebody else that I am remiss since Shanti that we interviewed, um, as well. And I'm drawing a blank on her name. Um, I'll come to it. It's another doctor, another female. And she talked about, it was compassion. Um, compassion. She has a Ted talk on compassion. And she also brought that up. So it's becoming, I don't know if it's a trend right now, something that they're really looking at, but really questioning venting. Uh, and I'll, I'll leave it with this one thought. I, had, I don't know who I heard this from, but, but uh, the saying, never speak anything that you don't wish to be true. Uh, so be wow. very careful what you share with other people, good or bad, because if you, you know, if, if you're complaining about your spouse to your best friend, and it, but you don't want your marriage to, to go down the tubes, then don't talk poorly about your spouse. And, and so I try to keep that in the back of my mind for sure. I'm not perfect on that, but never speak anything you don't wish to be true. That's really good. I don't think I've ever heard that. And I'm going to, I'm going to borrow that. I'll give you royalties on it. (laughs) Well, I think I may have borrowed that from Joel Osteen or someone. I know someone else said it and I just, I adopted it. Okay. Well, I'm going to give you credit anyways. (laughs) Thank you. All right, sure. And that, and who I was talking about was Kristen Neff, Doctor Kristen Neff. Uh, so she's she's in. She it was this this year that we did a show with her, but I think she also talked about it. She has a TED talk that I think has about a million views on it, and she wow. talks about venting as well. Um, Alan says, "I ask myself, what is the worst possible outcome?" Uh, and analyze, you know, why the situation occurred, learn from it, move on. But I like that. I do tend to, I've always been interested, even just watching myself that in being an optimist, not being a pessimist, looking, I'm a glass half full kind of guy, not a glass half empty. But when I tend to come to something that has risk, I will automatically instinctively go to the worst case scenario to I, I, I maybe just help me decide whether I'm going to do it or not, uh, one, but also to help me have peace with it. I do. I like that. What is the worst that can happen in this scenario when you're looking at it? And I frame it around looking at a, a risk, a decision that I'm struggling with. Um, there, that's actually a, a coaching technique uh, that's been used where, you know, let's say somebody has a fear of, I don't know, changing jobs or writing a book or a fear of something and, and, and to ask them, okay, well, what's the worst thing that could happen if you did this? Well, I could lose my job. 
well, okay, what's the worst thing that will happen if you lose your job? Well, then I I, I won't be able to pay my bills. All right. Yeah. What's the worst thing that could happen if you're not able to pay your bills? Well, then I'd have to move. Okay. What's the worst thing that happens if you have to move? Well, then I just find another place. And you just keep going and going and going and going until you get to the absolute last possible worst thing that could possibly happen. And then you realize it's not this big, ugly monster as much as you make it out to be in your mind. In most cases. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and so, and so here's a couple right here that speak to that somewhat. Um, Jeff says, I realize that I can change my thoughts and attitude anytime I want. No one else is in control of them. A visit to the mirror to confirm that I can smile and laugh at myself no matter what. And let's not forget to say, I love you to that self in the mirror uh, as well. Somebody, and again, I read so much, I hear so much, so I feel bad sometimes when I can't remember the exact person, but talked about having levity in situations. That's something that stuck with me. I can tend to be uh, significantly intense as can my, my wife, and that can get extra intense. And we have sought to do that some, it's really difficult, but I like the levity in there. And right after this, Donna says, redirect my gratitude uh, to my gratitude journal as well as sometimes speak it out loud in a positive way and try to remember to give myself grace and forgiveness. Um, that's a big word, forgiveness, you know, and I think again, Kristen Neff that I just talked about in her talk and it's on self-compassion talked about yeah, treating yourself as you would another person. And it's, I, I oh, just, wow. it, it's not natural. I don't think, is it Michelle? It's just not, we don't, we're so hard on ourselves. We beat ourselves up and think like, oh, you know, gosh, how could you do that? How stupid can you be? But yet, if it was your neighbor doing the same exact thing or a colleague, you, you'd probably encourage them and say, yeah. oh, don't worry about it. You know what? That's just, you'll get, that, that happens to a lot of people. Move on. But when we do it, <laughs> we just beat ourselves up and beat ourselves up. We do. So I love my wife's tactic on that. If one of my kids, let's say it's, a, it's one of my daughters, is just down on herself, berating herself, uh, my wife, Terry, she'll, she'll at some point you know, grab by the shoulder and say, hey, quit talking about my daughter that way. Oh, I, I love that. I know. I do too. I do too. Um, it's, a, it's a paradigm shift. Well, hey, you'll, you'll appreciate this. Michael says, WWZD, what would Zig do? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And he says, I, uh, I like the old saying that I once complained that I had no shoes until I met the man with no feet. And he says, perspective is everything. And it reminded me of, so a common terminology in my family and really amongst a lot of my friends, I guess we all saw the same video. Uh, I, I wish I could re recite what video it was. Maybe you saw it. And it was a guy talking about first world problems. I knew you were going to say that. Yes. yes. And we joke about that in my house yeah. too. You know, there's something, something terrible happens or, you know, that, that we think is the end of the world. I'm like, no, that, that, that's a first world problem. Mm. <laughs> it's clearly not. Yeah. Yeah. And, I think we go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and I think, you know, here we're talking about perspective and shifts and thinking and all that. I mean, just go to another part of the world yeah. and you have, you realize how much you have to be grateful for. You know, if you woke up this morning and you're hearing the sound of this podcast and you're breathing, you you know, air in your lungs, that's enough to be grateful because there are many people who don't have, you know, a half of what we have. Yeah. Yeah. Significantly. It, it is. I think, again, it's that thing where we can, we can feel that feeling, but to, before we walk forward in it to change our perspective and yeah, so many times that paradigm shift is just, 
It's just so dramatic. Well, Dan here says, I love sport bikes and nothing drains negativity and bad vibes like hitting curvy back roads at triple digit speeds. Uh, the focus force and acceleration you can achieve on desolate country back roads can compress years of psychotherapy into a couple gallons of super unleaded. <laughs> How's that? That's awesome. That's a good visual. And, and, and uh, Jason down below said a very similar thing about getting in his old farm truck and hitting a gravel road and just driving, not fast and it's not triple digits, but uh, just driving to clear their head. And I think, again, there's so many of those, like we started off at the top of the show with where it's a logical thing and some and emotional. And you know what, folks, I got it for, I got to tell you, I haven't even gotten through half of the submissions. I think we've had almost 50 people. If you want to go look at them, I'm asking most of these questions on my Facebook page. It's agent K Miller. You're welcome to, to go there and, uh, and check out more and be a part of that. Answer these questions that we put out uh, every week. But I think uh, I'll end us there and ask you, you know, do you, I want you to, uh, what are some of the things that you do? If you, if you look, think about them that from a logical standpoint or an emotional standpoint that are very typical. And in this too, we're talking about what we do to combat these, you know, a negative feeling or an angry feeling or, 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 or something, but even just the things that we do consistently to set our mood, to set our perspective on a given day so that those things don't happen. And I'm sitting here in my office and I've got a couple desks here, but there's one I come into most mornings, Monday through Friday, if the kids are coming into school anyways, I come in here and I look forward to my coffee and music, whatever mood I'm in, I'll put those two on. And I literally look forward to them. It gives me, it gives me joy and it helps set that mood. I mean, it's just a little thing. And that's, I don't know, I'd say that's just a little emotional, you know, medication. Well, and, and you know, I think what it boils down to, and especially with all of these comments, it's not the what you do, it's knowing what it is for you. Because mm. every single one of us has a different trigger, a different thing to get us back in the right perspective. So whether it's getting in that farm truck, listening to your music, or you know, going for a bike ride, it's just knowing what that is for you to, to reset and get back on track. Absolutely. Well, here's to everyone in... Uh, feel the feeling. Don't walk it out. Uh, so, Michelle, thank you. Okay, friends, I'm wondering if this show helped confirm some of your own tactics for changing your attitude or or inspire you to engage with some other of the strategies that was shared, uh, that were shared. If so, and you got value, tell us on iTunes by leaving a review. And thanks so much to all of you who've been doing that and leaving such great reviews. Well, coming up next in show 525, we bring you a really interesting guest. Lee Cockerell was executive vice president of Disney for 10 years. Yes, the entire magical kingdom. Uh, Lee barely made out of high school, no college degree, a hard upbringing with a mom who married and divorced five times. He was adopted twice. The only solid figure in his life was his grandmother who was taken away from as a child. And Lee's 72, a few years ago, he shared his wife almost died and he suffered severe anxiety and depression and through much counseling was brought to the issue of abandonment, starting from his taken, being taken away from his grandmother as a kid to now his wife in his late sixties, uh, almost dying. It's a real candid and powerful conversation. He's written four incredible books that we talked through some on the highlights there. I mean, this guy was in charge of 40,000 employees at Disney and his message of caring for people is just profound. Well, till then, folks, thank you for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.